We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 PGA Championship, DraftKings Millionaire Maker Picks and Preview. This kicks off PGA Championship Major Week on the Pat Mayo Experience and the Mayo Media Network. Subscribe to Mayo Media Network down there, by the way, if you're watching the video, to help us boost up the numbers. I have a ton of giveaways for you this week. Hundreds of dollars, multiple winners. And then come Wednesday, I may have even more things to give away. I don't have that confirmed yet, but it could be like $2,000 worth of stuff. So keep an eye out on that. You'll be wanting to follow at the PME on Twitter because that's where those giveaways will likely happen later on in the week. But here's what I got for you right now. If you want to play in the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League, there's $100,000 of rake-free guaranteed money in this prize pool. It's $15 to play, three max entry, Flat payouts across the board. It is legitimately the best tournament that you can play in this week for the PGA Championship. So it is in the description of this video and podcast. So get your spot now before it fills very, very quickly. And I assure you, it will fill very quickly. So even if you don't feel like making a lineup right now, go reserve your three spots and move on your way. You're best off investing in this tournament than you are in the Millionaire Maker, unless you want to win a million bucks. But let's face it, you can win my tournament. You're probably not going to win a million bucks, especially after myself and Ben Raza get through breaking down the field here. Fantasynational.com slash Mayo, the best stat customizable database on the planet. It has all of the tools, all of the simulations, the lineup generator, everything you need to make this all very easy on yourself. And here's the deal. Fantasynational.com slash Mayo gets you 20% off. If you get the monthly membership today, it will take you through the U.S. Open. So you bookend major season to major season and you get 20% off. So fantasynational.com slash mayo. Go get it right now. And then for the giveaways, I have one $200 entry to give away. I have three $33 entries to give away. I have five $20 entries to give away and 10 $10 entries to give away 
this week. And here's how you do that. You can enter multiple times. You can enter as many times as possible. Theoretically, you could enter so many times you could win every single one of these. It's probably not going to happen, though. Either way, you could win one of them because there's a bunch of these that we have going on. One, subscribe to the Mayo Media Newsletter. You find that in the description. Boom. You do that, you're in. I'll have your email. We're good to go. Also, every time that you see a tweet pop up on Twitter or you see this on Facebook, share it, retweet it. Boom. That's another point to get into one of these draws. And the big one worth 10 points if you leave an audio podcast review on Apple Podcasts. I'm sorry all you Spotify listeners and Google listeners or whatever you use that's on an Android. There's just no place to get the reviews from, so we can't really do it. But if you have Apple Podcasts, even if you've done it before, five-star review, something you enjoy about the show, and your Twitter handle and or email address so I can contact you when you end up winning one of these fantastic prizes. So a bunch of giveaways for PGA Championship Week on the Pat Mayo Experience. Today, I got Raza for DraftKings. On Sunday, the entire breakdown research show where I go through with Fantasy National, breakdown Kiowa Island, let you know the stats and modeling that I'm looking at for this week, for the year's second major. Monday, me and Feinberg, we're talking bets. Tuesday, Rick Gaiman and myself will re-up on DraftKings, going player by player in the field, giving you our spiel on each of them and projecting out the ownership. Then Wednesday, live chat, live on Mayo Media Network. Noon Eastern time, I will be sitting here, chained to the desk, taking every question you could possibly have until there are no more left. I will exhaust all questions that come up in the chat. You can always catch all of these on the audio version on demand after the fact. If you do want to get into the live chat, that's only going to be on video for the live chat purpose of that show. Also check out all of the other shows on Mayo Media Network. Sky and Tom are going to have a European exclusive breakdown of all of the Euros you may not know in this field. And they are riding hot right now with their Euro picks. And maybe one of these guys can sneak over. I think that is everything. Oh, Ben Raza from awesomeo.com is on the line right now. You know that there's going to be a live final for DraftKings Fantasy Golf World Championships this year? I did not know that. I've qualified many, many years in a row, but it's never been live. And now this year, I, I probably won't get a seat. Uh, so that that is pretty cool. I saw they upped the seat equity. So hopefully you and me can both sneak seats in uh, before the year ends. I am not going to lie to you. I don't think that I'm going to win a spot. I don't think that. So I should, and I say should, but truly, I should have two seats. Uh, I bubbled two, and it's quite frustrating. Both really had a chance. I guess I could have a third, but I really had no shot in that one. So I don't know. I, I may not get in there. It's I've had some weird runs in that tournament over the years, mostly Grio-based as everything else is. So maybe we'll make some magic for the PGA and grab a seat. Yeah, the live final will be on location at the Northern Trust in 2021 i don't even know where the northern trust is this year it's at liberty national uh in i think it's in paramus new jersey it's somewhere in new jersey uh, i I went there the last time it was there (laughs) scenic i remember when it was there and i i they were running the live final around then that was the one i think bryson maybe patrick reed one patrick reed so I'm thinking of the one there was one where I was really in contention and Keegan legitimately shot 80 plus on Sunday um don't know if it was that one, but that's the one that rings a bell for me. 
Well, let's talk about the PGA Championship. Let's jump into this. It's at Kiowa Island. And don't be too flummoxed by the scorecard when you look at it because it's currently measuring at 7,848 yards, the longest major championship in history. Colin Morikawa, obviously the defending champion. Rory McIlroy was the defending champion at this course from 2012, the last time that we saw the Kiowa Island Ocean course in competition, par 72. And here's the thing. There are two ways that this goes down because I just rewatched Rory's final round and everyone's final round from Sunday in 2012. That this is a Pete Dye design and you know it's going to you know, play mind tricks with you uh, depending on like the weird lies but if there's no wind this turns into Aaron Hills but if there is wind this is going to be fucking difficult. I hope it's that so badly and, and I think you kind of see you know that was a while ago but from what I remember you kind of saw the best of both of those the first iteration of this, you know, when it was calm, guys were going low, scores are out there. When it picks up and this is right on the ocean, it can get dangerously insane. So much like Aaron Hills, I remember all the noise for how long that was going to be. And then, you know, so many guys were able to to JT and co dismantle that uh, at times. So I'm excited to see it. Obviously, the weather will play a factor, though. It will. And when I'm thinking about key stats this week, everyone's going to load up on driving distance. And I think if you have ideal conditions, that's exactly what you want. Bryson will just go out and pound the ball along with Rory and everyone like that. But you think like, oh, Rory won this event. Obviously, it's a bomber's paradise. But when you look at the rest of the leaderboard from 2012, it's a lot of like short hitting accurate guys who are really good around the greens. Like you have Poulter is up there. Rose was up there. Uh, Blake Adams, Peter Hansen, Steve Stricker, Tim Clark, Ben Curtis. These are all guys, Graham McDowell, who finished inside the top 11 of the event that year. Because the second round, I think it averaged, the average score was 78.2. Uh, so if it gets hard, like you need to be able to scramble your ass off. Yeah, I mean, there's different ways. And we saw that a little with Aaron Hills at some point, but no, I, I agree. The harder it is, obviously that becomes more of a grinded out, a strategic, you're going to have a lot of awkward up and downs, things like that. And it, it really does kind of act as, as an equalizer. So uh, I also think it's misleading in general when one of the really good players win, we, we tend to take it as like a track. And I don't think that's right. Like, you know, Rory, DJ, these guys, when they win, it's just because they're very, very good. Not necessarily because it's like, oh, it's a bomber's track only. And that means Cam Champ is going to be good. I, I think that's kind of a stretch in some of these situations. And it's especially misleading because Rory won at 13 under. He won by eight strokes. It was the biggest margin of victory in PGA Championship history. There's just not a lot you can take away from a performance like that. No, that was when, I mean, that was when Rory was at the height of his power. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, when you have length like that, obviously it's going to test these guys. It could play very difficult, but at the same time, I, I don't think it's one of those you just start canceling the field by driving distance. I'm with you on that regard. No, I, there are going to be lineups, and I know that there's going to be people out there saying like, and they could end up being right if the conditions are benign, that you're going to want the Brysons, the Cam Champs, and even going down the list, like the Cam Davises of the world. And those could all end up being really good plays. But if this wind does pick up, and I'm looking at the early weather forecast right now, like what, what's that really going to tell me five days out from the beginning of the tournament? Absolutely nothing, but it looks like it's going to be pretty dry, at least in the forecast right now. That's 
that's what it's telling me. And winds are going to be pretty consistent around like 14, 15 miles per hour. And even if that's the case, like that can make this place super tricky because it is right on the Atlantic Ocean. And if the wind switches, it's directly in your face. Phil talked about the last time that he played here that he couldn't figure out the crosswinds. And the biggest stat that you can look at and why driving accuracy played such a key role last time around. So shout out to my guy at PGA Splits on Twitter for this one is that the green and regulation percentage of guys that hit the fairway in 2012 was around 63%, which is a pretty good number. And that's what you're going to want to be doing at this course, obviously. You're going to be wanting wanting to, sorry, for green regulation from the fairway is 68% in 2012 at Kiowa Island. For guys that missed the fairway, 39%. Like it's, I don't want to say, obviously it's not impossible, but you have a less than 50-50 chance of hitting the green if you don't hit the fairway. Now, these fairways are wide. They have been narrowed since the last time that we saw them in major championship play, but that's why the Brennan Todds of the world may have a chance here despite the length. Yeah, I mean, there's that's the way we talk about. There's a whole, you know, with off the tee, in terms of strokes gained and whatnot, it's naturally you think like guys who crush it, and that is true. But there's also the, you know, when Molinari was at the height of his powers, he gained off the tee all the time. He did it with accuracy, like the fairways gain concept, uh, modeling to that. There is another kind of way to build. And I definitely plan to do that with some teams. I'm not saying I'm going to have six Brian Harmons on a team, but at the same time, I don't think it's just bombers paradise, uh, regardless of the conditions. When you're thinking of shorter hitters who actually rank up highly in strokes gained off the tee, you're thinking about someone like Sungjae, like Corey Connors, Abraham Answer, Colin Morikawa, uh, even Daniel Berger to an extent. He has some pretty good distance, uh, but at the same time, he still hits a pretty high number of fairways. But those are the types of guys that I think are far more in play this week than maybe they would be if really, like I said, if the conditions are hard, if the conditions are super high up, it doesn't really matter with them because they still gain enough off the tee that they're constantly in the proper position. So I do think that strokes gained off the tee and I will go through my entire modeling on the research show and show you where I allocated all of these percentages and what ended up spitting out everything for me. I just think that there's many ways to tackle this, that if someone just tells you it's only going to be bombers, I think that they're wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's to say you already said this, but it's worth repeating. It doesn't mean that that can't end up being the case. Like bombers could surge to the top of the leaderboard, but you're still playing against other people. There's the game theory component. If that's the narrative get that gets spun, you're creating additional leverage for yourself and it's not impossible and it's not even a stretch to think that there are other ways to attack this course. So we haven't seen it for nine years. There's so many unknowns with the rotational like this. Uh, I definitely plan to explore, obviously, I'm going to look to Bombers, but I'm also going to look to a lot of other types of players in this field. Million dollars up for grabs on DraftKings this week in one of the few millionaire makers that are available. There's one that's $20, and you can win some of those entries into that tournament by all the ways that I mentioned off the top of the show. So rewind if you forgot and go do those all right now. It's especially helpful if you do rate and review the audio podcast. So that's why it's worth 10 entries into the draw if you go do that because I need to get those numbers up, Ben. I need those reviews. That is the currency of all podcasters out there as is subscribing to Mayo Media Network if you are a consumer of the video version. Do both and you have 11 entries in anything. One takes literally like half a second to do. Just hit sub and you're going to be good to go. 10K level at the PGA Championship. 
Rory is the most expensive player on the board. He's the defending champion at this course. He is coming off a win at Quail Hollow, where he has now won three times in his career. He's $11,500. Justin Thomas is 11-3. DJ, 10-9. Rom 10-5. Bryson, 10-2. And Jordan Spieth, 10-1. Those are your guys that are above $10,000 this week for the PGA Championship on DraftKings. I look at it. The numbers lean towards one guy for me by a hair. John Rahm comes out second when I run the numbers. Ben, do you want to guess who's number one? I'll say it's Justin Thomas. It is not Justin Thomas. It can't. Are you going to, what, Spieth? It's not Jordan Spieth. All right, I'm doing good here. I'm eliminating them one by one. Uh, Bryson. It's big, beefy Bryson. Doesn't this seem... Like a course where Bryson would just eat it up. And not just because of the driving distance. Like, just go look in the types of tracks where he plays really well. And even go back and look at some of the shorter courses where he plays really well. Like, he's played really well at Heritage over time. We just saw him play really well at the Players' Championship. Those are Pete Dye courses. Bryson's an anomaly. It's, it's very difficult to peg him because the putting aspect with him is so polarizing like he's obviously known for what he does off the tee and probably rightfully so but he also just has the additional out where he can get insanely hot with the putter and that's pretty unlikely with the other top end players it's not like they can't do it. i mean spieth is in that category too but so bryson's got the rare combo um i just wonder what happens to bryson if it plays freakishly difficult that that to me is still an unknown that I, I'm not sure what we get from Bryson in those conditions. So I, my counter to that would be if it does get freakishly difficult, and I mentioned that you have a below 40% greens and regulation rate from guys that missed the fairway, Bryson has shown that when you're dealing with thicker rough, he doesn't really care about that. I know there's going to be a lot of you know, extra distance at this course compared to something like the U.S. Open or even the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which we've seen other courses with very thick rough. And maybe he gets in his own head and he talks himself out of everything. But he has so much power with his irons and he's so much closer to the hole than a lot of people is that I'm not too concerned about him trying to chop it out of here, or chop it out of there. I think that actually kind of works to his favor. So I, I definitely get that. And I mean, not that it, he was in much trouble at the U.S. Open, but he kind of proved that like he was willing to sacrifice some of that for the length and his ability with his irons that are all the same length or whatever. Uh, I worry a little about the round the green. His around the green game is lacking compared to most up there. Um, but, you know, Bryson's going to be a, a guy that people are going to go to naturally because his biggest asset correlates to the image of the course with his off the tee and this length. Uh, Rom would be the guy that I would go to. Um, he, we'll see what he ends up doing at Byron Nelson. Not that I care about that, but he's someone that also has plenty of length. And I think his game is just a little more well-rounded at this point. I would tend to agree, but Rom kind of strikes me right now. If you're looking for someone to come inside the top 10, pencil in John Rom. But I'm playing to win here, man. And Bryson is, whenever he's in contention, he just kind of smells it. He doesn't win every single time, obviously, when he ends up getting into contention. But at these big stages, he's either kind of out of it or he is the absolute front runner that you're like, oh my God, here comes Bryson. Justin Thomas is kind of the same way. Like if he's in it on Sunday, you're like, uh-oh, here comes Justin Thomas. It's just like, uh-oh, here comes Bryson. Rom recently doesn't really have that, I feel. No, I mean, there, there's no doubt that Rom's biggest quote unquote asset had been his made cut streak. Uh, he's on a somewhat of a drought in, in wins. I mean, it hasn't been long. It's been like a year, 
But for a guy of that caliber, I, I see that. I do think that Bryson has the probably, you know, the weird, almost like most likely to win and most likely to miss the cut of these guys because he is so polarizing. But I still think in, in, in a PGA championship like this, there's so much depth to the field. Uh, not that I want to pencil in an eighth for Rom if I'm playing him, but I, I do think you can get some security with Rom. And I still think that, you know, similar to Rory when he was in the drought, these guys can turn it on and knock down that door pretty quickly. Oh, absolutely. I'm just trying to, when you're talking about the very top end guys in this field, you, the entire thing that you can do is just nitpick here or nitpick there, or yeah, believe in the narrative that you're going with. We didn't even mention Rory, who's the highest priced <laughs> player. He's probably also going to be the highest owned player. And he's so expensive that I've tried to build a few lineups with Rory so far. It gets dicey quickly. And what do you think that the ownership, just blind guess on what Rory is going to be this week? Because if it's over 20%, it's going to be super tough to actually play him. So just, you know, again, it's very early. I'm just throwing this number out. The number I had in my mind was 22%. Uh, he's got the the lethal combo for ownership of he's the past champ at this course, and he's coming off uh, what was like a resurgent win. So everyone who was worried about Rory coming off what was a low point at the Masters is now feeling great and, and people just think, well, Rory's completely back. It's time to to go. I will say the price is a little difficult, so maybe that'll suppress it a bit, but it's hard to imagine he's not hovering around 20%. And if you do end up playing Rory and if people do end up doing it, and Rick and I will go through the full player-by-player -player breakdown on Tuesday with updated ownership projections, and you can always get those at fantasynational.com slash mayo for 20% off. Once again, the monthly PGA Championship through US Open. You're playing both those, even those two weeks, plus you get all the events in between where like the real money is to be made on DraftKings and the non-major events, but fantasynational.com slash mayo will get that for you. If you play Rory, it's just going to be hard to play another guy above $10,000 is the thing. So you're probably going to see a lot of Rory Spieth lineups, I'm guessing. So, yeah, I mean, you may see some, but you're going to see a lot more Rory Xander lineups uh, probably to suppress it. I think the double down up top will probably be Rom Bryson. Uh, I like the build of that. I think a lot of people will. And then there's, I mean, it's funny, you know, DJ is just like there and he's obviously maybe he's actually nursing an injury. I'm not too concerned about that, but he's someone not too long ago. He would have been clearly the top price guy in this field. Not to say it's dropped a ton, but sitting sub 11 with no real buzz is kind of interesting because no one's really talking about him. I would tend to agree. And one of the reasons that I loved DJ for the Byron Nelson before he ended up withdrawing, although he was doing backflips off a yacht before he was withdrawing. So maybe he heard himself doing the backflip or he just said, you know what? I don't feel like playing at all. But this is a, a quote unquote hometown event for DJ's South Carolina guys in South Carolina. We've seen him play uh, pretty well at Pete Dye courses. One angle I wanted to run by you where very rarely do you see a course this long for one thing, but very rarely do you see Pete Dye courses be major championships. In fact, outside of the 2012 PGA championship, we've only seen it twice before. That was 2010 and 2015 at Whistling Straits, where the Ryder Cup is going to be this year. And DJ did lose in a playoff uh, in 2010 at the PGA Championship. So I just thought that was interesting just to kind of note that with the weird die setups, now obviously they're two different courses, uh, but they do kind of require a full test of your game. And what I see with DJ right now is his driving was kind of bad for like a month and a half. That's back in full. The driving has been excellent, uh, basically post-Masters. The Masters was just kind of a blip for him like it was for Rory. The approaches had been absolute dog shit 
it for ages. Now, all of a sudden, he's gaining 5.1 and 3.5 in his past two starts. Like, okay, here come the irons. Now he can't chip or putt, but I'm not too concerned about that because that's something that DJ normally does pretty well. Yeah, I, I mean, DJ, I'm more concerned when it's just like a bizarro stat line for a guy. This more resembles what DJ kind of is when he's not maybe at the height of his powers, but, uh, you know, just playing normal, solid golf. And you also have to keep in mind, I don't know, I don't think Harbortown and Copperhead, you know, the courses that he's played recently really scream Dustin Johnson. So I look at maybe the setup of the schedule and whatnot. I'm not too concerned about DJ. And as much as I'm a Rory guy, if I'm getting a discount in price and a discount in ownership, I'll probably make the pivot more often than not. Yeah, I'm far more comfortable, I think, at the price point and the ownership, like you mentioned, unless there's a whole bunch of buzz for Dustin as the week goes along. But I would oh, anticipate sure. he's one third the ownership, at least of Rory. So would I. And as I, I've talked about a lot on these shows, like you're, you're talking about head to head matchups where it's like minus 130, maybe on one side. You're not telling me one of these guys is like three times more likely. So it's not to say to cross them out because you've got world-class players up here, but stealing that ownership, especially, you know, we're, we're going for a milli on this show. That's, that's what we're doing here. Uh, you got to find edges when you can find them. Then that leaves Justin Thomas in a weird dead zone at 11,300. Cause I do think that people will be off of DJ and then people, everyone will point out that no one is owning DJ and then his ownership will rise. Cause that's just what happens. And then Justin Thomas is just in this weird zone that a lot of people would just say, fuck it. I'm going to play pay $200 more and use Rory here. And why, why there's no course that doesn't suit Justin Thomas. So why not this one? No, it's just, he, he of all these guys, I mean, I wasn't too concerned to be honest with the putter. And now I, I, I kind of am, and I know it's the highest variance club. So uh, it's not like I can't stomach just crashing and burning. I play a lot of bad putters all the time, but uh, he just looks really, really like he's searching. Um, it was at Valspar, it was ridiculous. And at Wells Fargo, it wasn't good either to say his irons are probably the best in the world. So it's not like he can't handle it. I know he can. I just, he's going to have to fix that putter and at least keep it neutral this week. The one thing I wanted to look at was this was the first and only PGA championship that's been played on, and I'm going to screw up the pronunciation of the pa Pal Paslam Greens, Pass Palum Greens, oh, uh, that run a bit slower. So normally we only see those Corrales, Puerto Rico, Mayakoba, and those like old like Kuala Lumpur events where Justin Thomas used to just run train on everybody. So I think, but it does seem like because it's not being played in August, it's being played in May now, that it might be like a bit more Bermuda-y uh, and a bit faster. At least that's what I've been reading up on. That's what the guy who ran, who used to run the course said, what would happen. So I'm going to take his word for it that maybe they run a little bit faster. But these aren't the Masters greens. They're not wildly undulating. They're kind of straight. And if you can figure out the speeds, I don't think that they're too tricky. Yeah, I mean, that's always the weird question with putting. I, I felt like we've brought this up and, and people debate this like, if the greens are super straightforward, does that blur the lines between the good putters and the bad putters? Or does that make the good putters even better and the bad putters more exposed because of the simplistic nature of them? Like that's something I, I never know what to do with putting when we get these slower greens as opposed to like putting on glass at Augusta. The other thing too is Jordan Spieth is up here and I've been trying to talk myself out of playing Jordan Spieth, but I can't think of a reason to not play him here. Why wouldn't I play him? Yeah, I mean, he's found it. And it's almost like he's come back better than the original version in the sense that it's, I mean, it's still crazy wizard stuff that no other player does, but the irons have just been so good. 
Uh, and he's got like just a perfect formula. You know, he's on the web formula of obviously off the tee. He's got to have to hold it together at a place like this, but he has to do that every week. And there is nobody better of working in and out of trouble. He masks so much with the putter and the short game and even the irons at this point. So I get it. I, I guess the he's in a weird situation for me because if you start with him, you're going pseudo balance, then I don't mind that, but you're giving up a lot. If he's your second man in, it's going to be pretty difficult. So he's in a weird zone in that regard, whether he's your first or second guy in. Well, let's go to roster strategy this week, because I think that really kind of dives into, do you want to go stars and scrubs or do you want to go with a balance and start with the speed or hell just fade everyone above $10,000 and load up in the nines. It's not like those guys aren't good. All of those guys could most definitely win this tournament when we look back at the end of the week. But there's 156 players in this field. The cut line is top 70 in ties this week. I made this mistake last year at the PGA Championship where I just assumed it was top 65 in ties, but it's not. It's top 70 in ties. And this is a very international field. Plus, there are 20 PGA professionals from around the country that are in it. So it's 156 players minus those 20 who are like absolute jabronis. Uh, one of them might make the cut if they're lucky. So realistically, like you can get away with more stars and scrubs because you also have guys from the Korean tour and like guys that most likely are not going to make the cut uh, when it gets to Saturday morning that this field is actually a little bit smaller than it looks like on paper. Plus the cut is larger than we see at any other tournament. No, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, when you really think about it, you're, you're getting five extra spots. You could probably reserve them for all the creative players. And when you remove that, you're down to like an invitational type field. I'd say there's like 120 players for 65 spots um, in that regard. So you can be a little aggressive. It's just, it's just a matter of like, are you going to completely wash away the 8k range? Cause you're probably going to have to do that. If you double up on tens, you're going to go, you know, either two North of 10 and then maybe four sevens or, you know, incrementally paying down with a couple sixes. So it's just going to create a vacuum in the middle. Now, if you get by, obviously you can do that. That's just one of the opportunity costs you have to endure. Does it mean anything to you that when you scan the leaderboard from the last time that a major championship was played here, it's basically all Euros? So I, it means to me that they're just more built to handle freakish conditions. Uh, they see crazy shit over there all the time. And, and when it gets when it gets like that, I think they're just more able to grind it out. Like you said, what was it Friday? The the average score was like, what, 77? You said 78? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, you rarely see that over here in Europe. They're just better suited to shooting, posting 75 and picking up strokes. So I think there's something to that. I think it goes back to what you're saying at the beginning, gaining fairways without distance. That goes a long way when you're dealing with something like that. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Researched and developed for three years and made for people, not patients. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. I've tried all three now, and I'm cutting back on smoking. I'm ready to jump in full steam to quitting smoking. It's about fucking time, so that's what I'm going to be doing, quitting smoking, and Lucy is going to help me try to do that. Lucy also has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine in cherry ice flavor, and each and every flavor 
actually taste great. I can attest to that. They do taste delicious. And it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, even at the gym, if you want to. I've been trying to quit smoking for like five years now, and... It really has not worked out. Everything that I've tried hasn't worked. Lucy is going to give me my best shot at doing that. I'm going to try to convince Paul to do exactly the same thing as well because it's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, chuck out the dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. I just got my first month. Got to dig into it and consistently do it every single day because it's simple and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has the delivery down. Pat Mayo Experience listeners, go to lucy.co and use promo code MAYO, that's M-A-Y-O, to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy, L-U-C-Y, dot C-O, and use promo code MAYO at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning! This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co. And be sure to use that promo code mail. Let's all try to quit together if you're out there, okay? And if that's the case, let's get to the 9K range. And there's a guy who does those things perfectly. Not the best around the greens. Not a great putter. But if you're looking for the good version of the Abraham answer, Corey Connors type player that I was mentioning off the top, who's going to get, who's going to gain a ton of strokes off the tee, yet he's going to hit basically every single fairway. And then it just turns out he's also the best iron player in the world, especially from over 175 yards where most of his approaches are going to be coming from. I mean, I don't want to be the guy that brings his name up every single time. But if you just look at Justin Thomas's stats, this is Justin Thomas without the chipping. It's Colin Morikawa, the defending champion, who no one's talking about. Yeah, it is interesting because this guy, I mean, I, I've been I've been late to the party consistently. And what can you say? Yeah, irons are as good as it gets. Putter is bad, but, you know, you don't need to be you that say, bad. You, you to- say the putter is bad, and I would most certainly agree with you, but he's also the same sort of player that we also love to target, that when he putts yep. well, he tends to putt really well. Eight strokes positive for the PGA when he won it. Like when you have that in your bag, even if you're drawing to a 5% outcome, just having that ceiling is huge. Uh, I would rather have my guy have that type of ceiling in a low probability than be like, you know, 40% to gain zero strokes putting Uh, that, that doesn't do me any good, especially when you're paying a premium. So I get it. He is the guy for that. Uh, I still, I'll be honest, and this is probably a leak. He feels overpriced, but it's probably warranted considering the, the track record of the pedigree and everything that he's doing. I do think he could get gobbled up by a short game. At times, it is very weak. But uh, if you're looking for that formula, you do have to include Morikawa. Yeah, I'm going to be going to Morikawa. And this is what makes everything tricky. That's why I wanted to say if I start my teams with Spieth, could I do Spieth Morikawa? Because I would guess that most people will just go Spieth and Xander, who is $200 cheaper than Morikawa. And there's no, there's no negative case for Xander Shoffley, except for everyone's going to play him because he's perfectly suited for this kind of thing. No one's going to play Brooks at 95, especially coming off the week that he had at the Byron Nelson. So that's something that you're going to have to reckon with yourself, whether you want to take that chance. Decky comes back. He's 9,400. Hovland could end up being the highest owned guy in the entire tournament. He is 9,300. Webb is 92. Reed is 9,100. Cantlay coming off four consecutive miscuts is $9,000. Who 
tends to play Pete Dye courses really, really well. So it gets really confusing in this 9K range. There's a couple guys that I think I'm just going to cross off the board right away, but Reed is such a weird outlier for a course like this because he does his best work at long, hard courses for some reason. The way he does it is just, I, I mean, I've consistently found ways to to get to him when no one really wants to. And it's just because of the stats, I don't want to say you want to throw him out, but you just have to recognize that he just does it differently and he's able to attack these type of tracks. And I think it goes back to just being able to get up and down, to be able to deal with some of these awkward situations because you don't get that many, you know, some of these things, the sample sizes on how, how many tracks do we have that fit the criteria for this. Not many. So a guy like Reed, his game is so well-rounded and obviously he bails himself out with the putter. It's certainly an asset. It's tough. It feels uncomfortable, but at the same time, you know, Hovland's going to be such a lightning rod. Cantley, I'll be honest. I don't know what to do with him. It's appealing because no one's possibly going to play a guy that's always chalk, but obviously the game is in bad shape. Game's in bad shape. Those four missed cuts in a row. He's lost on approach in each of those four. He's lost in putting in each of those four. The driving actually isn't so terrible. But long-term, when you look at his numbers, they're excellent. If you had gun to your head, and I, you know, I'm sorry to do that to you and put you in, put you in the spot. Don't wet your pants. But can't lay your brooks if you had to play one. Oh, can't lie. That's not close to me. Okay, so just right off Brooks, essentially, is what you're saying. Because his stats from the Byron Nelson mimicked what we saw from his stats at the Masters. Is that driving, really good. Chipping, really good. Couldn't putt, couldn't hit an iron to save his life. And the putting is especially worrisome. And I fell into the trap at the Masters. Oh, he's super low-owned. I'm definitely going to play him. I'm going to feel like a genius when Brooks was faking it the whole time. But, like, dude couldn't even bend down to read the putt. So that's a problem. It's a problem. Like I, he to me, and I get it. I, I think, you know, when you're dealing with to, Brooks, could be I think significantly lower owned than Cantley. Even we'll see what those percentages shake out. Uh, Cantley is worrisome because you just mentioned the the irons and the putter are not clicking. But to me, he's in a in the bucket with Finau, not with Brooks. What do we do with Webb Simpson, who's coming off a last second <laughs> withdrawal with a neck injury? Because if it plays tough and it's a Patrick Reed type of event, I would think that would lean towards more of a Webb Simpson type of event too. I would agree. Um, certainly he's more on that side of it with Spieth as well than, than obviously the Bombers. I just worry a little bit that we're putting, we're starting to really put an emphasis off off, off the tee, and I, I'm worried that Webb might not be able to handle that. Uh, maybe if it is burnt out and whatnot, and, and some of those factors aren't as big of an issue, but Webb certainly, I think we all know, isn't up to speed. The rest of his game is as good as it gets. So I get it. I would rather play Reed and I would rather play the chalk with Hovland. It's really just the injury. I mean, the chalk with Hovland's so tough because if you get somewhat soft conditions or it's not windy whatsoever, I mean, the biggest comparison that I make to Vic is Rory, that I could see Vic going out and just tuning everyone. And this is his coming out party. I mean... There, what else can you say? He he reminds me of Rory as well. He could absolutely decimate the field. I think the PGA is also more ripe to get guys. Uh, I mean, these guys are ready to win anyway, so I don't even need to say that. But like Hovland absolutely could get that in the right conditions. And one of his wins did come, actually both of his wins came on this putting surface in Puerto Rico and Mayakoba. You see, you see, it's, you know, it's funny. We don't even talk about the Masters champ. Is he really going to win two majors in a row? Grand slam. Just the the decky slam? Just full, 
Bedecki slam. No, no problem. Um, it's tough. I mean, he, I don't know if he could put a repeat of the putter with that. I, I, I tend to probably think he'll get squeezed for me, but it's just, I don't think he's going to be popular at all. People are just not, you know, that like he had his moment. They move on. So who would you project to be the two like most popular plays here? Cause at the end of the show, I did this on my very first look show where I made a play the good plays lineup. And I, I want to do one at the end of this show, and I want to do one at the end of the Tuesday show with Rick, just to see how our opinions evolve over the course of seven days. The last time that I made that lineup, uh, it was Daniel Berger, Paul Casey, Cameron Davis, Ryan Palmer, Xander Shoffley, and Jordan Spieth. That was the play, the good plays lineup. Um, I, I know for sure that Vic is going to be in that now that I have thought about it a little bit more, yeah. and everyone else realizes that too. So obviously, the play the good plays lineup going to be a little bit different this time around. So Vic is the good play. Xander's the other good play from this range, though, isn't he? He is. Um, Xander. I mean, he every seeming we've talked about this a lot already in his career. He, the guy just shows up at the big time tournaments, and although he doesn't win as much as maybe he thinks he should, or maybe he should in general. You got to give him credit no matter what each time masters us open anything uh he's right there and the way he can drive the ball the way his game is well-rounded it's very very impressive the problem i have with xander he's perpetually popular it makes it very very difficult now do you want to explain for people maybe tuning in for the first time ever why that makes it difficult to play someone like xander shoffley so what ends up happening when you're talking about fields this big uh, it's not to say that you can't have some ownership associated, but you get into situations where you're just playing like two V twos with lots of people, dozens, hundreds, thousands of people sometimes, because you've got permutations that there's only a certain amount of options based on who you click in. So if you click in Xander and you click in Hovland, you only have four spots left and everyone else that does that only has four spots left. It starts to become, if you keep going chalky, there aren't that many combinations. So the problem with a guy like Xander, the opportunity cost of clicking him, you're not leveraging at all. And if Xander wins, that's amazing. You know, awesome. You're in great position. You have to beat 25,000 people or more who have Xander as well. So now you're playing a 5v5 tournament with a tens of thousands of people still. So it's a difficult situation. It doesn't mean blindly fade all the popular plays. But you have to keep that in mind when you're building in large field tournaments. And I think that's where you need to pick your spot with the popular guys that you want to play. I, I think a lot of the discussion about ownership in this sense always comes down to, oh, someone's going to have the same lineup as you and you're going to split it. That's not what I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned about is that if I get it right, I want to make sure that I have as little competition against me to actually get to the top. So that's why we say something like, hey, no one is using Patrick Cantley. Now, I don't think that Patrick Cantley is an especially good play. But let's say that you play Patrick Cantley at 4% ownership this week. If Patrick Cantley wins, you're legitimately live to win the Millionaire Maker. If Patrick Cantley won at 4% at ownership, and then you took all the six of sixes that have him, you are talking about maybe a couple hundred teams. As opposed to if you did that with someone like Xander, you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of teams. So that is huge. People who talk about duplicating lineups, you can alleviate that no matter what you do if you just leave $200 on the table. Like that, that washes that away immediately. What you can alleviate is that you have to beat hundreds of 2v2s of random guys. And it's so difficult to get into that situation when you're talking about a million dollars up top. For me in the nines, Morikawa... Hovland. I'll probably end up between Reed and Webb. 
because I don't want to be the guy that says, oh, Hovland's too popular when I know that he's a good play. <laughs> I, I'm playing the Hovland chalk. Uh, that is not, I, I'm going to leverage with a lot of crazy things as we work down. I'm buying Hovland. I like Reed. I'm probably going to roll the dice, certainly more than you with Cantlay. Maybe. I, I just don't think that Webb is going to be all that popular. And I look back, I know he has the neck injury, but it seemed like he also just didn't want to play at the same time. Yeah. But you have a ninth at the Heritage, 12th at the Masters. He missed the cut at the Players, a tournament that he's won before, which is really weird. Sixth at WGC Mexico, 41st in Phoenix, fourth at the Sony. That's his track record so far this year. It's pretty good. It's very good. And I mean, missing the cut at the Players, nobody gets it through that unscathed. Like everyone misses the cut at the Players eventually because it's just a... a a weird course like that so nothing i can knock web on i just worry that that the off the tee game could get gobbled up it could get gobbled up but he has vastly improved his off the tee game over the basically since the covid break return which is funny because you know he doesn't have the 10 strokes game putting type events that he's had in the past when he goes out and wins but like at the heritage four and a half strokes gained off the tee and wgc mexico which was actually in florida you know one and a half at the sony 1.7 i know that those are shorter courses uh but even at the zozo last year gained 4.6 like he's hitting a lot of fairways and if you're gonna be a guy like over the past five tournaments he's gaining 1.4 strokes average per event off the tee and even when you date back to his last 20 he's still in the positives over the average of those events like he's not losing strokes off the tee like he's kevin fucking nah anymore he's actually decent off the tee now and that's when his irons and putting show up just being decent off the tee is fine it's like when Corey connor's gains zero strokes putting it's like oh he's gonna come in third this is great <laughs> if you're as good as Webb is in certain categories you just need to wash away like you'll take the zero um for sure and that's that's the thing i'm that's where i think we differ i'm i don't know how likely it is that Webb gains zero strokes off the tee this week I think that he does. I bet you that. I bet you, I'll, I'll, I will bet you that he finishes in the positive and strokes gained off the tee this week. Okay. Well, his, he's only got two rounds to do it. So we'll oh, how, how dare you? Sorry, but we have to bet Webb Simpson to win now. Unfortunately, I mean, we're talking about a lot of guys and obviously we'll narrow down our player pool as it goes along. But I want to really highlight the guys that I really like that I'm going to put my stars next to on fantasynational.com slash mail for 20% off, by the way. And then I'll narrow it down from there. So I want to make my initial round of cuts. And listen, when I talk to Feinberg and then when I talk to Rick, they might just talk me into other guys and I'll have to reassess the entire situation. That's how this process works. That is the fun of building your DraftKings lineups. But once we get into the eights, I kind of think Cam Smith might win this tournament. I am going to bet him to win this tournament. Well, there we go. If Cam Smith wins... You could, you won't be seeing my you search for Jazz Raz is not going to come up in the in the, the top five hundred. That's for sure because everything I said about Webb is true to him. He is playing so good. Uh, his short game is incredible. I, I just I have trouble with him because again his off the tee game is not good, but he seemingly is in a zone where he's getting away with it all the time. But I think that changes at this course. It really he's really. Almost like the putting with Morikawa, Cam Smith's driving is either really good or really bad. He very rarely like breaks even with the field off the tee. He's like in the water three times on a hole or he's really good. How is that possible? Like I get that with putting because it's high variance. Like off the tee is the most repeatable one of the four stats. Yet Cam Smith has the old, yeah, erratic. I mean, you're not wrong. I'm looking right now and 
it's pretty stark. He doesn't have much where he's around zero. It's either really bad or like plus three. That's yeah. I, I don't know what to say about that. That just proves how absurd. And I don't even have stats from the Zerk where him and Leishman won. So uh, I get it, but my God, that's Cam Smith major winner. I can see it. And these, it all depends on the conditions. Like if we get the same conditions as last time, Reed, Webb, Cam Smith, Spieth, those type of guys have far more equity in my mind than they would in benign conditions. Like if I see that there's going to be no win for the entire week, probably not going to play any of those guys. So you, I, like you're imagining if Cam Smith won, maybe like Minus six seven. under. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I, I, I do think there's sometimes... What I like to do in majors in particular, if a new course is pick, you know, around the winning score and work backwards. Like, okay, if the winner is minus eight, to me that that eliminates some plays that I actually like for those teams, because certain guys are not going to win if it's minus eight, they need it to be minus 15. Uh, kind of like with the buyer Nelson, I know it's a different tournament, but you need your guy to be minus 25. If you think he's someone who's more apt to shoot a nine under in tough conditions, well, that's the wrong tournament for that guy. It's almost goes back to like the old school Brennan Grace effect where anytime that you kind of ratchet up the difficulty, it's like, oh, play Brennan Grace. I mean, he's not that guy anymore. Although maybe this is, of course, Brennan Grace. Uh Uh-oh. He did just win. Did he win? Yeah, he won uh, won on Uh this grass type at the Puerto Rico Open against absolute scrubs. I mean, he had that run at the, uh, like, it was Chambers Bay and one, like, string of us opens where he was right there uh in horrible horrible difficult conditions so um maybe well it's tough because i cam smith is the most expensive at eighty nine hundred dollars of the eight thousand dollar guys and i think that might push some ownership off of him because you have visibly quote-unquote better players that are cheaper that are right by him that it's so much easier it's more fun to click Zalatoris. burger is just objectively a better player at this point of his career and he's 200 dollars cheaper people love playing finau scheffler fitzpatrick coming off a missed cut maybe people like sour on him a little bit sungjay is 83 fleetwood rose hatton louis the bottom of these eights if you wanted to play like a hell if you wanted to play rory and you play like rory fitzpatrick Rose hat, not even Rose, although Rose finished inside the top five, I believe the last time that they played here and Rose just kind of shows up in these big events now. But if you wanted to play Rory, Fitzpatrick, Sungjae, Louis or Hatton, just these are guys no one are going to use this week. And this is where I think there's some, there's some win equity associated. These are players like these are guys when they get in weaker tournaments, they're 10, five. And when they're in their top form, they're in, in the nines in majors like Ty Hatton is, is someone that's shown that ability. Sanjay is extremely well-rounded. Finau to me is in the Patrick Cantlay bucket. Obvi- there was a time this year where he would have been amongst the favorites. Obviously he still can't close, but his game has really fallen off. I don't know. Unlike Cantlay though, it's, it's a whack-a-mole situation. He, he's just losing here a little there. Nothing seems consistent. And that's, that's going to make it a difficult ownership gauge and just a difficult play in general for Finau. I told producer Paul Shaughnessy before I came in here that I was kind of digging Finau this week. I'm, I never play Finau. I never bet Finau. 
But I feel like this is a very good course for him uh, and what he does particularly well. When he's at his best. Listen, if if he's not playing his best, he's not going to win. So it's kind of irrelevant. So I'm trying to gauge these guys about if they go out and play their best. And I think they can do that. Does this course suit them well? I really think that if Finau gets like his breakthrough win, it's going to be at one of these harder courses. Because his short game, not bad. I mean, Finau is a guy that, again, I, I do think this is an interesting dynamic course fit i love the course for him uh i just don't know exactly is there a problem like you said if fino is not playing well he's not he's gonna miss the cut again he's just not playing well but i'm more likely especially when ownership is suppressed willing to bet on a guy that i think objectively if they played this course all the time he would be someone that i think would be amongst the the favorites time in and time out especially if the game was in form so there's nothing i can point to there it's just the old short-term form is terrible long-term form he would be one of the chalkier options at 86 so i'm looking at fantasynationalright.com right now and the projected ownership and this just kind of updates as more members go onto the site and build their teams and favorite players so only 62 people so far because we're so far out from this actual tournament that only you and i are really thinking about it but i do think that it kind of gives you a little bit of a lean of who really sticks out as like oh people are really gravitating towards this person or this person like for example justin rose 0% ownership projection right now based on 62 people. Yeah, I mean, people are, you know, Justin Rose has been a frustrating roster pretty much all year outside of the Masters. Um, And I get it. I I would rather play Hatton. Um, Would I rather play Fleetwood? I I don't. That that is the other guy to kind of consider too. Now, obviously these ownership projections are wrong at this point because it's taken from such a small sample in order to project things out. But Fleetwood is also under 1% too. Now, what that tells me is that by the time people get around to making their lineups, those guys are going to be like, three, four, five, 6% versus the other guys that are going to be in the high single digits or even into the double digits that are in the same territory. Like those are the two guys. I think that if you're really looking to get a break in ownership or take some potential upside of guys that no one else has, those are the guys in Fleetwood played pretty well at Quail Hollow. I think I'm, I think I can already see where this is going. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start to fall in love here with Fleetwood in this spot. He, He was definitely better at Quail Hollow. He had a couple, you know, at Heritage he was three under, then he shot eight over in eight holes. Then on Friday, he played fantastic. And then Luke List moved the entire cut uh, to kill me. But that's neither here nor there. Guy's got a, you know, serious finishes at the U.S. Open, at the Open. Um, and the U.S. Open, where he was runner up, that was the year, uh, you know, that was ridiculous, ridiculous con- con- uh, conditions on Long Island that the course escapes me. No, no, What's the course? Uh, he he finished second at Shinnecock with that great round in the final round, but he also came inside the top five at Aaron Hills. Oh, yeah, there you go, 2017. So, so the best of both worlds, like long courses, one tough conditions, one super easy conditions, he was able to do them both. I kind of like that. I mean, that's someone, Fleetwood's been tough. He's another frustrating roster, but you, you kind of want that because you always have to say your first macro reactions to these guys that's going to be the field's reaction too. So you got to keep that in mind. Like if, if you're in love with the play and everything checks out, well, they're going to be really popular with Fleetwood. There is definitely some hesitation. That's kind of good. If you embrace that in spots and I'm 
probably going to. I, I think that's the type of play that can make a difference. So just looking at all the guys that we've spoke about so far, the ones that are appearing as the highest owned by far that really stick out from everyone else across the price ranges that we've spoken about, Rory, Justin Thomas, and John Rahm are the three guys above $10,000 that everyone seems to be gravitating towards. In the 9K range, it's Xander and Hovland. No big surprise there. In the 8,000 level, it's Berger and then Scheffler. Hmm. At Berger's not surprising. Scheffler, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be shocked by that. He's someone does everything that you want. Great pedigree, great driver of the ball. Price is reasonable. I thought Sunjay might be popular, though. Nah, he's sort of like average amongst it. It was just weird because he lost so many strokes on approach at Wells Fargo. But Sunjay is a lot like some of these players that like the, you almost say like the whack-a-mole, like with Tony Fina, where you know some weeks he's losing with his irons, and the next week he losing with his driver and then some weeks he's gaining 10 strokes putting but then he can't chip anymore like it's he's just so weird that he so rarely gets it on the same page but when he does get it on the same page it's like go season for Sungjae I like players like that I would rather have a guy that's trying to put it all together than a guy that's just like well he loses every week in one category and you're of course it can turn and mask but when, to me, you're closer if everything is flashing and it's just not flashing together. So I, I look for that. That's something I always try to identify. Sanjay's certainly on the list still. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with him exactly, but he's definitely going to be in the player pool. Well, of the players that we've talked about from $8,000 and up so far, there are only three who rank inside the top 20 in fairways gained against the field. So in accuracy, do you know who those three people are? Oh, wait, above 8K? Yeah. Over the past um, right. 36 Let's rounds. Scroll up. Patch Morikawa. Morikawa is 11th. So yes. What? I, oh, okay. Wait, what is the question? Is inside the top 20, there are three guys oh, inside, inside the, the top, top 20. 20. Yeah. Okay. Morikawa. Um, who else hits a lot of fairways? Burger? No, Burger is 45th. Nice job, Ben. Um, Rom? Is not Rom. Rom is actually fifty fifth. He is he has the best accuracy of anyone over ten thousand dollars. The the next two are Sung Jay, who's seventh in the field. Probably Matthew Fitzpatrick, so. who's nineteenth. I almost I almost said Fitzy. So and Fitzy has gained like fifteen strokes off the tee too. Like on paper, when I looked at the twenty twelve leaderboard and I started thinking about the players in this field who would kind of fit that leaderboard perfectly, Matthew Fitzpatrick is the answer. Matthew Fitzpatrick is one of those guys. When we were talking at the top of the show, he, you know, obviously not a long hitter or whatnot. He has added some length. He's also gaining consistently off the tee. Like he has been, it's not like, oh, he's just positive a little. He's gaining sizable amounts. Now he relies heavily on the putter. So that's something that's always puts a big strain. His irons could be better. I, I don't know. I mean, Fitzy's a guy. He handles crazy conditions. He's built for, for, you know, he knows his game inside and out. The long irons are not going to be a problem. Just a matter of can he gain the five to seven strokes putting that he probably needs uh, to really hang in there. I think that if we were just making a short list of guys who could, he's definitely on it. Oh, he's one of the most likely. I mean, he's he's like Reed in that regard. Like Reed needs that, but he does it a lot more frequently than most. So I don't, I don't, I'm, I think the thing for me is what happens coming off the miscut to his ownership, because if it plummets, I'll definitely buy, uh, or will people say, you know what, he, he's, I don't care about the Byron Nelson. He just didn't have it. 
And he didn't really have it. It's funny because he did the two things that you don't, it's almost the Brooks syndrome. He gained almost two strokes off the tee against the field in two rounds, was decent chipping, couldn't hit an iron, couldn't hit any, couldn't hit any putts. He lost two and, yeah. two and a half strokes putting, and that's pretty atypical for Matthew Fitzpatrick. The weird thing about him is, and I think someone actually tweeted this to me this week too, was that when it comes to Fitzpatrick and betting Fitzpatrick or trying to projecting out when he's going to do well, it's always at the places you don't think that he's going to do well. Because you're like, oh, he's a short hitter who hits a bunch of fairways. He's going to dominate Herbertown or the Players' Championship. He was playing pretty well at the Players' Championship until he played his way out of it. The Honda Classic. But when you look at it, it's like, oh, API. And like these, the, the Memorial, like just weird long courses where he can keep the ball low with his long irons. He can keep it below the wind. And this is an American Lynx-ish style course that I kind of think it fits the type of game that he likes to play. Even when he won overseas and he won like you know, the race to Dubai, like those are deep courses. Oh yeah, they're no joke. And that's what I'm saying. I think he knows his game really well. He knows what he's doing with his long irons. He knows how to play these type of courses. Uh, I don't mind that for, for a guy like Fitzy. So uh, it's it's something that he can certainly weather the storm there. And then you look at some of these other guys, they may not be able to. It is kind of the opposite. Like Luke List is the other side of that, where I always think bomber tracks, actually the short tracks for him sometimes are, are the best. So sometimes it's atypical, but I, I see that for Fitzy and he's another another English guy. Maybe we stack them up in this little range. Yeah, I just unstarred Justin Rose, and I put a star next to Fitzpatrick. Yeah. So I traded one Brit for another, and I'm going to keep the ones next to Fleetwood and Hatton for the moment. Hatton's just my guy. I can't quit Hatton. You love that guy. I, I don't know. He just won me so much money at API, and he's just he's so good. He's just not putting. Like, why can't he putt? He's one of the best putters on the planet. Yeah, I mean, particularly on Bermuda. Um I don't know what I don't honestly know how how good ha these Euro these, not even Euros it's these English guys like Matt and Matt Wallace all these guys at one point I'm like wow they're the Fleetwood they're the best of the they're the alpha in this and then they go into oblivion Danny Willett there's so many of them Hatton's a good a good player certainly his major results have been way below what I think he would think and most people would think considering how good he is. Maybe he takes a step. I mean, he's got he's sharing a price with Uste, so well, that's got to be a good start. I know who you're playing amongst those two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the man who's just dominant. Talk about irons and putting. Uh, he's got it going on now. His the last time we saw him, he was hitting a ball literally 75 yards into the water at Zurich. But other than that. Usti's been playing great and he's been putting. I mean, he's been putting so good that it's actually scary because it's beyond unsustainable how good Usti's string of putting has been over the last month or two. Yeah, but you rarely see him hit his irons this well. I, it's funny that we always lump him in with Jason Day because of the injuries, but their games are kind of the exact same at the moment. Like when, except for the putting, like Jason Day can't Day. putt anymore. But when you look at his ball striking numbers, like that's pretty good for Jason Day. He He can't putt. It, believe me, I, I I watched at Byron Nelson last week. He he cannot putt. It's insane. I don't know what's up. We have to see he's expecting a kid. I don't know when that's going to happen over this week. So Jason Day is someone I, I've been trying to buy. I just don't know how I do it with his, his game is in shambles. And it's so ironic that him and Ricky, who were both elite putters, are now striking it really well. They just can't putt. 
With Hatton, the one thing that I do like about him, again, he's another guy that I think the worse the conditions, the better off he's going to be. But he hits his long irons really well. Him and Morikawa are kind of one and the same in that regard, where the closer they get to the hole, kind of the worse that they get versus the field. It's almost like the old Stenson thing, too, where if he's 110 away from the hole, it's like, oh, God, he's going to miss the green. But, you know, 223 away, like, he's striping it. Uh, And there's a lot of really long par threes on this as well. So over the past 36 rounds against this field, Hatton's ninth in strokes gained approach, third from beyond 200 yards. And when you go look at his opportunities gained, he's ninth. So he's giving himself chances to make birdies. He's just not making the birdies. Yeah. And that's a good indicator. I mean, eventually those, especially for a guy that's, you know, he's not notoriously a bad putter. If anything, it's the opposite. So if he keeps doing that, going to give himself chances, they will convert. Uh, That's why he's in the player pool. Thin is in, they say. But what's good about a thin steak or a thin wallet or thinning hair? Bad news. The answer to these rhetorical questions is nothing. So why then is every brand of men's body wash so weak and watered down? Any argument for using this crap is pretty thin, if I must say so. Enter Thick, a new product from the Duke Cannon Supply Company. Thick earns its name by being three times thicker than common body washes. It's the high viscosity alternative to watching your money run down the shower drain. Thick comes in a big ass container that you crack open like a beer. That sounds awesome. And it comes in four distinctly masculine scents that won't leave you smelling like a teenage boy. Thin is out, thick is in. Duke Cannon Thick High Viscosity Body Wash is $9 per bottle, or you can get all four scents for $30. Bourbon Oak Barrel, the latest scent inspired by our favorite place on earth, the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Notes of amber combined with a woodsy oak barrel foundation for a rich scent that smells as good as bourbon tastes. Naval Diplomacy, a refreshing ocean scent with notes of fresh water and musk. Old Glory, a rich, sophisticated, and classically masculine scent that blends notes of tobacco, cedarwood, and amber. Then there's Productivity, an invigorating and uplifting combination of peppermint pine and eucalyptus scents. Had enough of a thin gruel that is your current body wash? Thick is made with a plant-based thickener for superior lather. So you're not going to need that gross loofah anymore. And as an added bonus, when you heft a 17.5-ounce bottle of Thick. You're getting in a light arm workout. So visit DukeCannon.com and use promo code MAYO, M-A-Y-O, for 10% off your entire order. Free shipping with orders over $20. A range of Duke Cannon's men's premium products are also available at Target stores. Once again, DukeCannon.com, promo code MAYO, for 10% off your entire order. $7,000 range, almost like I did with the other ones, where I just said, hey, here's the guy who pops off the page in terms of who everyone is clicking on. Can you guess who it is here? What, Corey Connors, Sam yeah. Burns? It is the Mexican Allen Iverson. That makes me sad because I never play him that much, and I kind of want to here too. He was so good at Wells Fargo. It does feel like people are – I could see a lot of people calling for him to break through here, and it does make sense. I'm not as keen. God, I like him too, but I don't know. You buy into that chalk as well? I like answer and I like him at Pete Dye courses. And I think that he fits that narrative of a guy who gains a bunch of strokes off the tee that doesn't have a ton of distance. Good distance, but he's not 
Bryson, but he hits almost every single fairway. He and Corey Connors are so similar, except answer can kind of chip where Connors can't chip. Uh, and that really comes back to bite him from time to time. Uh, you know, other weeks that he'll putt fine, which, I mean, for a while, it's funny because they kind of switched where at the beginning of the year answer was striking it really well and he just lost his ability to putt then all of a sudden Corey connors is just putting the lights out all of a sudden i don't know where that's actually come from but i just feel like they're such similar players but if conditions got a bit tougher i'd want answer i just think that between answer casey and connors i'd rather play casey of those three and i just look at the guys in between those three names no one's gonna play them and there are some good players in there like no one is going to play Shane Lowry like literally nobody yeah that's true I, I'm not even going to do that and I get it I thought you're going to go to the guy that I like Neiman? so he seems erratic but I think he owns the longest made cut streak now that Rom missed Neiman is just good he's always been good uh I do think he's more it's more necessary to get the right conditions he's not someone that can handle all of it but if you get the right conditions Neiman, serious business the way he drives the ball. He drives the ball well. The irons are great, and he's really putting right now, too. It's just the last two times that I've bet him was at Wells Fargo and the Honda. So maybe this sticks out in my mind, and those are two of the past four events that he's played. Guy can't chip, man. He chips himself out of tournaments. He cannot chip. That's what I'm saying. You need the... If Neiman somehow gets in the first page of the leaderboard... You're going to have a lot of guys double digit under par. Uh, I don't see many scenarios where Neiman is grinding out, you know, he's six under and he's in the hunt. But if this is the winner's 15 under or something and it's very calm and guys are tearing, tearing the place apart, Neiman, the way he, it, his ball striking is just unbelievable. And I, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for it. Well, you can look at it one of two ways, too, where even during the tougher conditions, like if you don't get absolutely wiped out, like sometimes that's not a like scrambling problem or a chipping problem. That's when you're off the tee, like you can't drive the ball because it's too windy out. Neiman's actually quite good in the wind in terms of his ball striking. So it's not like birdies can't be made at this course. I think Rory made 20 birdies or better when he won and Justin Rose made 18 that year uh, in total. He just kept making a bunch of bogeys. I could see Neiman kind of doing that as well, just trading a bunch of birdies for bogeys. And if it does end up like minus four, minus five, minus six, that he could get to that number that way, just because he's still going to score enough. So the other thing about Neiman is that he's so incredibly good at outscoring his position. Uh, and when you look at, you know, golf on, on DraftKings, you have a situation where if you're not at the top, you're talking about a couple birdies over four days. That's the difference between 50th and 10th, two birdies. So Neiman's the type of guy he could come in 30th, but he has the 12th most uh, raw points. And that is such a such an enticing thing that he seems to do that very frequently. So that's another reason that I'm, I'm drawn to him this week. I think that this is a nice setup for Paul Casey. I will not be talked out of that. I know everyone's going to play him. I don't care. I will go down with the Paul Casey ship, something I've said many times at major championships in the past. But I feel like if there's ever one he's going to win, the PGA Championship really makes a lot of sense for him. Yeah, I mean, he I'm not going to say should have won, but he certainly didn't lose it last year. He just got beat by Morikawa. Um, that was as good as I've ever seen him play at Harding Park. Yeah, he was making putts. Normally he doesn't do that. He was, I mean, he was fantastic. He just, he just lost like nothing he could do about it. I have been on that sinking ship many a times as well. Uh, that's not going to change this week, but Sergio is right there. And no, he is no, someone... no, no, don't, don't 
fucking do it. No, don't. Just trust me, man. Just I do it every single major, and it, it it's horrible. It's a horrible experience. Yeah, I mean, I think Sergio kind of, and he's smart if he was able to conjure this up with the dark forces, uh, the spirits. He kind of combined all of it for that win at Augusta, and now he's just dust. Um, I don't know. He is just, I mean, he just putted himself out of Byron Nelson too, of course, which is pretty standard. It's just his driving is so good at times. I don't know. I mean, it's it's so sick too because it's like I could take Sergio and be miserable, or I could take a guy who makes a hole in one every round. Uh, in Corey Connors, <laughs> like this is this this is what I'm struggling with. It's it's really sad that I, I do this to myself. It's funny because this show went from being the most pro Corey Connors show on the planet to the most anti Corey Connors show on the planet within the course of like six months. That he, guy, I he is, mean, a, he is a legitimate Pat Mayo All Star. What I want to see from my type of fantasy golfer. He scores a bunch, great with his irons, drives the shit out of the ball, can't chip or putt. <laughs> and he's Canadian. And he's putting now, though. But now I don't want him. Now that he's actually good. Yeah, I mean, Corey Connors was awesome when he was just like doing his thing and losing seven strokes putting. And it was like, man, if this guy ever putts, watch out. Now he does it. And I'm just constantly underweight. I mean, there's, there's too many pivots in this range. Like I, I can do the Paul Casey chalk, but the Corey Connors, if there's chalk, and I don't know if there will be because of Sam Burns right now. Uh, I don't know if I could get leverage there. So I want to go back to Shane Lowry for a second. Cause I was only half joking about Lowry. He's Boy. making cuts, man. He has missed one cut since last year's U S open. Uh, he was only 65th at Wells Fargo, but he gained almost four strokes on approach. At the Heritage, he gained almost six strokes on approach. Gained at the Honda, gained three at the Players. He has two top tens over that time. Was 21st in the Masters, historically a place where he does not play well. I know he can win in tough conditions. I've seen him win an Open Championship. Like, if the weather gets shitty, I want Shane Lowry. Yeah, he's also won at Bridgestone. I know it was a long time ago, but, like, that course is a monster. Um, and he won the race to Dubai course too, didn't he? There was him when the Fitzpatrick won the really long one in Dubai. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. The thing I, the problem I have with Shane Lowry is I don't, it's hard for me to grasp what he even does. Well, he grinds, like, man. He's a, he's like Rob Lowe. He's the grinder, the grinder. That's what he, cause like my guy, you know, he's a elite driver, but he's actually not. He, well, he never was a good putter. He's not particularly a good around the green player. He's a decent iron player, but I, he has a way to kind of put it all together at times. Um, he is playing. I will say you're absolutely right. He's playing a lot more consistent than I would have thought. And the around the green game has been really good. Like the chipping has been really good, which is kind of how he did it at the open championship. Just everything was nails. And he's one of those guys that we've seen enough peak performance from him. And the guys won a WGC. The guys won a major. The guys won a European championship that, when he gets it right, he's really good. It just it doesn't happen very often. It's it's a lot like another guy that I'm going to talk up in Bubba Watson. Yeah. I mean, do you see any Firestone in this? I don't know. It, this is such a weird course. Like, I really want to say Whistling Straits is probably the one. And then I go back and I look at that leaderboard from last time. It's like, I mean, GMAC, top 11. Where does he win? Well, he wins at, like, Sony in the in the Caribbean and at Heritage. Like, Those Her- greens. Heritage is, like, a 1,000 yards shorter, but it just looks like the same leaderboard. <laughs> yeah, that can't be good. I, I hate that course. I, um, and I, that's my course! 
So is Satoshi even in this field? Uh, he has to be. He won there. He's in the. He was in the field this week. Code. Yeah. No, Kadira is not in the field. Sorry. Um. Yeah. See, like I, I think there is something. You know, we we may have discovered some bad things on the show. I do think we discovered something with the the Mid East, the Dubai. There's something to that, and I'm I'm throwing out there that take a look at Firestone. Um, there's something to that, and Bubba, if you want to talk about him, it's the same concept. He does a lot of those things as well. Who are the winners at Firestone? Thomas Hideki, Tiger, Duffner, Lowry. I think Keegan may have won there too. Now that I think about it, I can't remember. Yes, it's been so long. Uh, since that actually happened keegan rates out number one in my modeling by the way so if you want to know where my mind's at here (laughs) but bubba watson second at whistling straits a pete die major in 2010 11th at this event uh in 2012 where you probably wouldn't think that this would be a great course. anytime that scrambling comes in or chipping you're like oh bubba's fucked but for whatever reason he played whistling straits really well lost in a playoff to martin kaima and then you have the T11 here. Then he was T21 at Whistling Straits again in 2015. Bubba has 12 wins in his career. Five of them have come at Pete Dye courses. I mean, Bubba's the most, we, we've said this, you know, everyone knows this. He wins at the same places. He wins at the same type. He doesn't deviate. Like Bubba's never going to be the champion golfer of the year. That's just never going to happen. Um, he is what he is, and he kind of knows that. I think this is more a Bubba course than it's not a Bubba course. The strange thing, too, looking back at it, is in three of his past four events, he's hit more fairways than the field. So he's driving it. Like, you look at his driving numbers, they're, like, off the chart good right now, for even for him. I mean, when he gets go- when Bubba gets going, whether it's Travelers or one of these other, like, it's incredible. Uh, so I think, again... I'm not sure I want to play Bubba if it really looks like it's swirling out there, but in other conditions, I probably would take take some stabs with him. Here's the other thing that I don't know how to quantify about this event. This is what I really learned when I was watching it last time. When I was watching like the Rory round and watching like Poulter go out and make five birdies in the first five holes to make a charge, he kind of went away. You can putt from off the green here, a la Stuart Sink at the Heritage. I think that's, and even at the Players' mm-hmm. Championship, we saw Webb do that so much, just putting from off the green. Like, once you know the green speed, there's not a huge differentiation between, like, what is happening right around greenside. So if you're a historically or notoriously bad chipper, you can get away with using the Texas wedge here. I don't know how to, like, there's no way to quantify that unless you went and watched every shot from every player and then wrote it down on a notepad. Like, that would be the only way to really figure out who's great at it, besides anecdotally watching people do it. Like, Stuart Sink, very good at it. Bubba Watson's another one who's just a really good leg putter in general, that if he can figure out these green speeds, and I doubt that they're going to be ultra fast, that maybe that solves some of his chipping woes? It's the Martin Keimer formula. Um, and where did Keimer win? A Pete Dye track. And at yeah, Pinehurst, where there was no rough. There was just sand and there was, close edges. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I do think these are little pieces of a puzzle, though. Like, you take these things and you start looking at who's hitting some of these. And you're just trying to get the most, you know, like a lot of t- you're just trying to get the most pinballs in the pinball machine or whatever. You know, you get guys that fit a lot of these criteria and then you hope that they kind of connect. Bubba's one of those guys. I think when you look at a lot of awkward correlations, he shows up and he is next to Sam Burns, uh, Corey <laughs> Connors and Paul Casey, you know, in this macro price micro range. So that's, that's also another positive. 
let's say we're recording this in full disclosure on a Friday evening with Sam Burns currently winning, uh, coming off of a win the last time that we saw him. So let's say he ends up winning or just ends up being like, you know, for second or third kind of thing. Like he's there till the end of Sunday. What does that do to his ownership? Because, I mean, I didn't play any Sam Burns at the Byron Nelson. I'm not going to play any Sam Burns at the PGA Championship. Just, you know, I, I just can't do it. Neither can I, but it's going to solidify it if he's up there. Um, in, in an, Maybe this is me just being deranged. I feel like in a, in a mega mind weird way that if he wins again, his ownership might be like lower than if he comes in like second. <laughs> That's uh, actually true. Like, cause people are like, oh, well he's, he's won twice in a row. He can't, he can't keep it going. But if he's second, people just say like, oh, he's playing great. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to play him. The guy I struggle, I'm not really worried about that. Cause if, if chalk Sam Burns beats me, that's fine. The guy I can't figure out, it, he was playing awful. And then boom, Woodland, Matt Wallace is quietly back in form. Oh, fuck. Uh, I, I bet Matt Wallace to win this tournament. I, I'm all in on Matt Wallace. Well, that makes it a little easier then. Yeah. I mean, he's just. He was great at Quail Hollow. Uh, the, the entire game was working. And this is where I, I was saying this before. This is where it gets difficult. Like there was a time where Matt Wallace to me was in the Fleetwood hat and bucket. And then certainly maybe the stability wasn't there. You're getting a discount, but I don't know how much of a, a talent drop you're really taking. I mean, when you're talking about recent form of all the Brits right now, I can't think of one that's playing better. And he's shown it. It's not like, oh, can he do it in, in a major at, He's done it. Like he's a damn good player. He's got finishes uh, at PGAs and, and other various places. So yeah, he was third at that Brooks Dustin Shinnecock. And like, he, and he is a weird spike player too. Like Tita Green, he's been immaculate over the past like six weeks, essentially. He's top 10 in the field almost every single week in terms of Tita Green. I think the Masters included, although he only came 34th, he couldn't putt that week. Sometimes the putter goes away, but sometimes it's very good. He's just, sometimes the driving is okay. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes the irons are middling. Sometimes they're great. Like if he can just get two of his parts of his game working at the great level like he's very much in contention here and if we're going to play the weird british narrative of this one like i agree with you i think that i think that hatton is objectively the best player of all those guys but he doesn't have it going on right now matt wallace does he does so 74 like if you're going to tell me that he's lesser owned than sam burns that's not really a hard decision for oh me. my god how much lesser owned do you think that he's going to be a half a third a fourth I was thinking between like half and a third. Oh, according to Fantasy National, people do like him a lot. He's a, but th this is where it kind of gets fooled out a little bit because this is so early. Do you think that Matt Wallace, like let's say Sam Burns wins, that would make it two PGA Tour wins in his past two starts. Your casual player who's entering, entering the millionaire maker. I feel like they'll know the name Sam Burns. They might not know the name Matt Wallace. No, the thing that'll prop Matt Wallace up a little is the recent form has been objectively good. So people will look, but he's not someone that's, to me, going to get a ton of buzz. And again, Sam Burns right now, and some of it's warranted. He's getting a lot of love and he probably should be. I just, I think it's a tough, tough sell. Uh, the uh, Matthew Wolf is down in this range. Obviously, he has withdrawn from this tournament because Cus picked him to win the PGA Championship Ooh. in January. So I you know how that worked out. I, I saw, not to derail the show, but he wants to uh, fight a crocodile. Now, on that list of animals that you could fight, he said that he could he could beat, like he would fight a crocodile. He, he feels like he would have a easier time with a crocodile, but he said he wouldn't fi fight any geese because he's scared of geese, but he'd fight a crocodile somehow. Smart. 
Yeah. I I think in general, people don't understand how vicious animals are. Like some of those things, like 10% of people think they're going to fight a bear. Like even with a sword, a bear is going to cause serious problems. You know what's really disappointing? My guy, Garrick Higo, who just won me a lot of money (laughs) recently. 7,400 bucks. Like, what are we doing, man? Like he should be... How isn't he 6,200 bucks and why isn't he in 100% of my lineups? What is happening here? Really disturbed. I mean, yeah, he's won you a lot of money. He's cost me some money. Uh, I don't really understand the price, though. I know he's playing well, but I thought he would be, you know, like in the Brandon Stone, Lucas A. Bear range to be Dean Burmeester. That's where he should be living. Oh, the Bur- the Burmeester Mista lady? He could be up there? Here, take some of this. Get out of here. I just He's going to win this week. It's just so... You he, can't play him now, can you? I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to play him at this price. I really like him, though. No. I, I can't wait for Austin next year if he's in it. He is perfectly set up for Austin. He's like a shortish hitting lefty who's great with his irons, puts the lights out, and is a great scrambler. Yeah, I, I don't know why I clicked to, to see what his pitcher would be. <laughs> Obviously, he has no pitcher, Ben. What are you doing? Um, it's just so hard. He's not going to be popular, obviously. I don't know, though. I, I don't think I could. That is a ridiculous price for a guy that we have no experience in a situation like this. True. I mean, I'm going to play Bubba and I'm going to play Wallace. Those are the guys that I'm going to play from that range. I was trying to figure out what Westwood was doing at the Byron Nelson, but I don't even want to look. I don't want to talk myself into playing Westwood. He made legitimately like nine birdies on Friday at the Byron Nelson. Okay, so he's back. What about, I know we're talking about a lot of guys, but last guy, do you have any love for Leash? I should, shouldn't I? I feel like he's another guy that at these type of tracks, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to work in and out of trouble. Uh, the game is a little erratic, but right now, I mean, good at the Masters, one at Zurich, uh, playing Byron Nelson. I think you could make a case for him uh, as a dangerous tournament play for sure. I think so too, especially at 76, because he's going to be in that range with the Jason Days and the Lowrys and the Neemans that just fall between all of these super popular options that he'll just inevitably fall through the cracks. I think that it's better to take the shot on those guys than eat the chalk uh, with some of these 7K guys. And if Corey Connors beat you, well, Corey Connors beat you. If Sam Burns beat you, Sam Burns beat you. That's just, you probably weren't going to win anyway. At least give yourself a chance with a Mark Leishman over a Burns at you know one-sixth the ownership. I don't mind that. Like I said, it'll be Wallace and Bubba for me. No one is going to use Bubba. I'll use Bubba like a dummy and go down through it. Then you have like the rest of these guys down below. Like, do I have to play Keegan? Like every number and every metric points to him. Except logic. Like he was third in 2012 at this course. Keegan is, it's so difficult. Cause when, yeah, when you look everything, the way he drives the ball, he's done it here. He's done it in general. He's playing well. I just, I don't know. His, talk about having a, a resurgence in some of these metrics. Like Keegan's short game has looked much, much better lately. That's what scares me a little. Like, can his putter hold up? I mean, it's been great for like a month now. I think you just ride the wave. It's kind of like Billy Horschel in a weird way, where do you just continue oh, to try to ride the wave and maybe this is his best shot at a major? Billy Ho. God, that would be that would be in the Jimmy Walker bucket. We were just talking about that. Um, I don't know yeah, if I'm going to get there because, like, 
I, there's a compelling case you can make for a lot of these guys. So like Hoffman and Homa and Keegan, I think are going to generate a lot of ownership and I be hard pressed to talk you out of those probably won't get on anyone besides Keegan of that bunch. And then down below, I'm going to play C Woo! Kim. It's a major and it's a Pete Dicor. So auto click next to his name. But then you also have Bobby Mack. Who's having another nice run over at the British masters this week. He's $7,000 coming off a of great masters. He definitely has the distance. He can play in the win. He's, you know, he's a Scottish player. He knows how to play these style of courses. I'm going to play him. I bet him back in December to win this event at 175 to one. No reason for me to start passing on him at this point. I do like his game for this course, but they just have a bunch of like weird randos in this range too. Like, hey, Ben, this is a coastal course. Does that mean you're playing Aaron Wise? Not only is it a coastal course, but Aaron Wise has been much better lately, except with the putter. Go to OHL, where he was runner-up. Dominant. Like, that was one of his best finishes on course. Like, some of these pass whatever the hell this thing is called, I think could mitigate those struggles. So, I actually am going to play Wise. He's been good. Uh, This is the best Wise has looked in a long time. But then you have sort of the polar opposite of Aaron Wise, who also plays really well at coastal courses. And when he's running great, he hits a ton of fairways and has some of the best irons in the field. And no one's going to use Russell Henley. But this is this this doesn't scream Russell Henley track, but it just all depends on how he's hitting his irons that week. And when he hits them well, he's like one of the 10 best guys in the field with his irons. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he when he's hitting it well, he's been fantastic, but it hasn't been super good lately and that's putting it mildly i worry about a little the course in general in terms of the length russell when i think of russell henley i think more you know like honda than this but maybe there is something that he he can handle it and yeah the coastal aspect obviously that is something that we have to consider well, you say you think like honda and sony open and ohl for henley those are the exact same fucking course that aaron wise plays well that's true. That is true. But Aaron <laughs> Wise likes Quail Hollow. That That is probably messing with my mind a little bit because Aaron Wise has seemingly taken to that a couple years in a row. To tell you my stat model is broken, I lied. Keegan Bradley is actually third in the modeling. Uh, Victor Hovland. He goes first. Victor, yeah, no, Higo is unranked because he has no PGA <laughs> statistics to speak of. Hovland is actually number one. Keegan is number three. Charlie Hoffman is number five. Cameron Tringali is number seven. Coming in at number two, Ben, Chris Kirk. What are we doing? Like, what do we do with these guys that play well week in and week out? But we don't see at the Masters or we don't see at WGCs, but we see them at these events where all of the top guys aren't there, like Kirk, like Tringali, I, even Cam Davis to a certain extent. Like, I don't know what to do with these guys. Yeah, it's very difficult. I will say, and maybe this is more of like in my mind than reality, that the PGA Championship specifically is more of a bridge between those than the other ones. Like, I think it's more possible and likely for just like standard decent PGA tour players like Chris Kirk and some of these guys to keep those results kind of translated over to a major. Whereas like you send them to the open. I mean, that's, that's a weird tough ask and it usually ends very poorly. How well does Kuchar have to play this week at the Byron Nelson to like become chalky at the PGA championship? Oh, I mean, he's playing really well. I, Chalky. So I think in general, this range is going to be pretty dead. Um, You've just got like a lot of guys. I don't think people are going to be drawn to probably because I play him. Grio, Ricky, Keimer, Kisner. I, 
I don't see any of them making a ton of noise. Maybe Kucher will pick up some ownership, but I think most of the ownership is going to be in the mid sevens. In the mid sevens. Yeah. And then you're going to have that Hoffman Keegan range as well. Those yeah. two, those two guys in particular are going to be very highly owned. And I think that people will play Siwoo as they should. Yeah. I mean, his price, we haven't seen Siwoo this low outside of majors and every time he's at Augusta or, or these places, he shows up. Siwoo is just good. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a candidate to come dead last in this field and withdraw, but yeah. you know, more, more often than not, he's going to finish inside the top 25 at least. I mean, I feel more comfortable with him than people going to Cameron Champ because they think that like these other guys aren't going to be able to reach the hole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, sure. Go, good luck with all that. Uh, so between all of your favorite players in the world, you have Grio and Fowler at $7,000. Like they both, is that your anchor on each one of your teams? Yeah, I figure I'll do like anchor with both and then I'll just play like Wise, Grio, Ricky, uh, Usti figure it out from there i i don't know what to do uh griot i think is fine he'll probably get eaten up around the green i don't know how you could play ricky at this point it's it's he is oh my an god awful putter you know if i play like he's not, i i just if you play bryson spieth and morikawa in the same lineup you still have sixty seven hundred dollars left over per player that's all my teams. That's a, that's my build right there. Who cares about anything else I've said? That's my lineup. Phil and Sammy Valamaki and Rasmus. There you go. Oh, Wacky Valamaki enjoys himself a tough course, by the way. Those are the only places he, he does do. well. I bet he does. Um, this is where, this is going to be very interesting because you've mentioned, you know, there's some Euros. The, the lower range, the 6K range in this tournament is messed up because you've got 20 guys that have no chance then Euros have pretty much scattershot all over the place. So you you have an interesting dynamic of who is left when you go to the cheapies. Yeah, I think you could play. I mean, I, I wasn't dead serious about playing all my lineups that way, but I do like that start. If I, I know it just seems very counterintuitive with the type of players that I put in there, but I just think that those three players in general are going to do really well. It's weird that you can play the sixth, the fifth, sixth, and seventh most expensive guys and still make a lineup that you probably don't hate. Like, let's talk about the sixes and let's start at the bottom. What number do you have to get up to in price point before you see someone that you would actually consider playing? Because for me, it is... Ben uh, do Collins. I, do I really want to play Patty Harrington? Eh, probably not. Warinsky, Duffner, Hadwin at $6,300. I know he's not playing well. But if this plays hard, I think that's a good thing. Okay. So I'm starting at the bottom. Who the hell is Larkin Gross? That's a name. Joe Summerhays. Is that a Daniel Summerhays? That, that's Daniel or, Summerhays, but off steroids. Off steroids. Okay. Going up, uh, Aaron Y, Brandon Stone. Yeah, Hadwin at 60. Like he's the first like, real name, right? Yeah, the first... Guy, at least I have a decision. Um, Coates, CA. I love that guy. Boy. Denny Georgie. McCarthy is 6,200 bucks. <laughs> Can he gain 14 <laughs> strokes putting to make the cut? All right. I, I know I, I was saying before, like, obviously all these guys can reach. Brian Gay might have a problem reaching. Like, if, if he does well here, I'll have to cancel. Chan Kim is here. Yeah, hmm. Chan Kim's a real player. He's just, we've never really seen it on the PGA Tour yet. Is that, 
Is Chan Kim, who's the guy that got suspended for a year? You remember that? Wasn't that Zing Zhu Zhang for cheating? No, no, that was in China. There was a guy who like, he like flipped someone off on the Korean tour. It was either Chan Kim or, or Bio Kim. You remember Bio Kim? I don't. Who was the guy who had the really crazy swing? What was his name? No. Oh, <laughs> something Park, I think. Hold it on. was something. I, I hate- suspended Korean tour yeah golf let's see i here. think it may have been chan kim or it was it was biodome kim biodome kim uh that guy's not here so uh people can what fast he, forward he to just he just flipped someone off yeah and they were just like all right you're gone for a year three years three years look at that the whole like uh, uh, the olympics will be on again before he's back like that's insane yeah he won't even have a chance to play himself at a military service Bi- bio kim anyway let's say chan kim uh, um 35th at concession earlier this year 60th at the zozo last year miscuts at the u.s open and the pga championship he did come 11th at the open championship in 2017 like if he only plays wgc's and majors because he gets in because of the korean tour but i uh, know is my answer no I, I don't think that's there's a couple guys like that uh, Kanaya is another one. You don't really see him outside those. So the thing that kills me, and EVR is just and to no. me. E- yeah, no, the answer has got to be no. I feel like he would be a good course fit, but he is playing so bad. Can't Norin, do it. Though. Norin though. Norin. So this is something else. The conclusion that I came to the other day is Norin now a guy that only plays well at really easy courses. I didn't get much right at Byron Nelson, but yes, I, I that was one thing I was able to identify. Noren used to be like, oh my God, super grinder. Noren now is built to shoot like 30 under with like six triples. He is crazy all of a sudden, but I do think if he has a big time finish at Byron Nelson, he's someone that could create uh, some buzz in the mid sixes. Well, that's good. I mean, I have nothing for or against Noren. He didn't really pique my fancy. Well, whatsoever. Then you have like, I mean, I'm such a sucker for Tom Lewis. I don't know why, but Tommy boy. he's 6,400 bucks. Stricker, 6,500. He was T11 in 2012. He was also in his 40s at that point, not his 50s. I mean, on paper, Ben Ann should be good here. <laughs> I, I would love to. I just, I don't know. Honestly, the guy who in I, I say whack-a-mole all the time with golfers, the original guy that I thought that with was Dylan Fertelli. Fertelli can get himself around the greens. Not necessarily putting, but like his up like he gets it up and down. He he's a good chipper. That guy, he lo- talk about losing strokes off the tee, but he's also like a great driver. So I don't really understand what goes on. Uh his irons can get as hot as hot can be. Uh I, and even with his putter, crazy dangerous. So I think it's a very low outcome that you get a good result. But if you told me there was one guy in this range that exploded, I, I would say it would be Fratelli. Well, just trying to think here. Like fifth at the Masters, just randomly. Yeah, like, but, you know who else is like that is the Jazz Man. Yeah, I just, the Jazz Man... When he exploded on the scene, I didn't know who he was. Like, I was just like, I, there's a guy with the with the name Jazz. This is insane. Hey, I have a trivia Jazz. question for you. Do okay. you remember who was leading the PGA Championship after two rounds a year ago? At Harding Park? Yeah. 
you might remember that he was on the practice range till like one o'clock in the morning. Ricky, how Tong Lee. So I, I remember these things. I never, ever would have got that. What do you think how Tong Lee is ranked in the world right now today? What is he ranked? Yeah. I'll say 79th. 282nd. What the hell happened to him? He he was leading the PGA Championship after two rounds, and I don't think that he's made a shot since. He, he just still on that practice screen? Yeah, like, they, 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 they chained him up there. They're like, you're never leaving. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, man, because he's a guy. He's had some results in WGCs. That's like, I mean, again, no, I'm getting random now. You remember Thorborn? Yeah, now, he had different circumstances with his his stuff, but uh, he used to be good. Well, is it now he's probably is it in is jail? It, is it no? Isn't he back on? Isn't he like leading the European tour? Like, didn't he almost win? He like, is, but he's also like did he almost I win th- like two weeks was, ago? <laughs> he, he's he's definitely playing over there, but I think his uh, case is still potentially pending. Yeah, Thor Bjorn Olesen. He's currently 53rd at the British Masters. I I, 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 like, I tailed, like, you really do, like, when you want to hear about these Euro guys at the bottom, Monday evening, Sky and Tom are going to have the European Tour picks and bet show. I don't know if we're going to get a winner out of it this week, but I have a guy, the guy in first and two guys in second place right now based off their pick. So they're, they're, they've hit two winners in the past month anyway. They're really kind of treading me water over here. Listen, getting getting a a lean on the Euro guys can be a huge edge. It's always a, a mystery of how they'll translate. Like Rasmus is a guy that people want to play and they've tried and it really doesn't work too often. But then you've got Peters and Weisberger and guys, with, you know, Bez is here. There's some experience at the top end of the sixes. Peters missed the cut on the number at the Byron Nelson. Gained off the tee, gained around the greens, gained a bunch on approach, lost almost four strokes putting. I mean, that's par for the course for Thomas Peters, but I would not be afraid of him here. I think he's one of the better players in the sixes. Yeah, and Thomas Peters, when Thomas Peters gets going, I mean, he's someone that is absolutely live to win. I don't care who's in the field. So uh, I I will definitely get over on Peters because I don't think it's going to take much. No, especially because of the performance this week. The other ones to look at, and this is kind of strange, but just based on what I saw, so here's some numbers for you. Where can I pull these up? I wrote them down. Now I can't fucking find them, of course. So all these guys finished inside the top 11 at Kiwa Island Ocean Course in 2012 in the PGA Championship. Like I said, throwing Rory out because of an outlier great performance from Rory, like that's not going to tell you anything. It's say, oh yeah, Rory played great. Well, he was the best player in the world and he played great and he won. It's like when Tiger would win a major, it's like, oh yeah, he's just better than everyone else. Uh, how did two through 10, is there any correlation between those guys? Maybe we can try to project that out. Tim Clark, third in driving accuracy in the 2012 season. Graham McDowell, fifth in driving accuracy in the 2012 season. Ben Curtis, seventh in driving accuracy in the 2012 season. Blake Adams, who sucks, 27th in driving accuracy in the 2012 season came inside the top 10 at this PGA championship. Justin Rose 28th came inside the top 10 as well. That leads me if that's like an actual thing. And that does persist because they have narrowed the fairways a little bit more in 2021. Brennan Todd could be live here. I see what you're saying. Uh, I think that's a very specific set of circumstances that you'll have to build a court. Like, Brandon Todd, if if for some reason that is true, that would change the entire narrative of that team. 
Um, but we could see that. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking now and I have a trivia question for you. Do you know who was the first round leader in 2012? Brendan Todd. Oh, in 2012, I was gonna say Brendan Todd was the first round leader last year at the PGA championship. Uh, first round leader in 2012 at Kiowa Island, Jason Day. Carl Peterson. Oh, he was in the final group with Rory. Your boy. The Swedish porn king. The Swedish porn king just fires a 66 to open. But Todd Streelman. And who was the other one down here? I guess it's you know, probably not Stricker. Jazzman hits a lot of fairways too. But Streelman and Brendan Todd are both inside the top 10 in terms of driving accuracy in this field. And Todd just can't hit his irons right now, which, you know, is probably not good but he's an elite putter he's elite around the greens and he's elite at hitting fairways if this gets into like his irons are so bad but he's able to scramble himself out of it and he it's not like he's missing cuts like i said i i get the narrative i would probably i'll be honest the two south africans charo is playing great golf right now and cbez 68 bez elite putter like, I, I know I hate to say that, but he is. And he's so good around the greens. And and then Grace. Grace is 68. I, I think you have three South Africans that are ser- worth serious consideration in, in the mid to upper sixes. I think I can do Cbez Peters, and the Todd father. I might have to go that route. I don't know what to make of Burned either. Remember when he was, like, kind of in it at the Masters? <laughs> yeah, it was disturbing on so many levels because I, I always play Burn. He's tough. I, you know, I, I personally don't know if he's someone that can handle this again, but he's got, he's got some experience. Certainly plays a ton in Europe. I'd probably go for more upside though. He is a legitimate shitty driver of the golf ball. Yes. Yes, he is. He's got the old, like he's not actually that accurate and he just hits it. Like you better be dangerously accurate if you hit it as short as him, but he's not. Yeah. You need to be Brennan Todd off the tee. Yeah. And he's, he is not. Just trying to see model wise in terms of the numbers, who's who pops from down here like nobody. Varner is probably the highest. I think he's the highest ranked of all of the six thousand dollar guys. Yeah, he is. Him and Ryan Palmer. Yeah, Ryan Palmer just does his thing. Another guy who plays week. coastal courses really well. Like, why is he cheaper yeah. than Aaron Wise? He's having a better year than Aaron Wise. <laughs> Don't, don't hate on Aaron Wise. I'm not what hating you... on Aaron Wise. I'm trying to big up Ryan Palmer, who... Hey, let me let, let me just do some research. You could have said Higo, but you didn't. I didn't. You're right. Ryan Palmer is currently the 31st ranked player in the world. He's been playing... Um, uh, you got Ryan Palmer has been great. And like even at the Masters, he was solid enough. So I, I get it. I don't... Again, his around the green could be a serious problem, but maybe he can mask that. Not a problem for Steve Stricker, Ben Ann. It's a problem for Shez Reevy looking at it. Yeah, I, I really wish there was someone down here I'd want to play, but there's not. That's a that's a huge issue. Barn will be the Scrivener? Jason? 6300 bucks. Party Marty Laird? There we go. There's You know what? That's actually a guy I would consider. If it gets windy, he's going to be good. He hits all the fairways in the world. He's just real generic across the board. I don't think that he comes inside the top 10, but if you told me that Martin Laird came 37th at this PGA Championship, wouldn't be surprised. And that'd be worth it for 6300 bucks based on what I could do with the rest of my lineup. Yeah, I mean, there, there's always that out that if you think you're going to treat this as an invitational because 25 guys have no chance and 
you are just like, you know what? This is going to be a duel between Rom and Rory. Like, okay, now you're you're locking in. You can you can get by with just made cuts down here and, and placement points uh, being more more washed away. It's just that's a pretty finite amount of outs, but it, it can happen. It's funny looking at it right now. I know he's missed three consecutive cuts, but Hadwin is kind of the skill set that I'm looking for here. Like of the bad players, like he hits every fairway. He's good around the greens. Guy can putt. I just don't know when his irons show up once every four events. Yeah, it's been a struggle. Um, okay, Harry Higgs. Yeah, I. most of these guys have serious red flags. It's going to be tough. I'm going to have to – this is where it gets difficult. You want you want to be smart down here. There's a lot of appeal to just start spraying. Most of these guys ultimately not going to find the weekend. I mean, if you just go to the very top of this range, and this is where I think the actual like legitimate guys are, because we mentioned like Kirk and Robert McIntyre at $7,000. If you just go down $100 – I can't think of a reason not to play Sink, besides the fact that he's Stuart Sink, but he's just been playing so well. Cam Davis, like he's going to be super popular because this should fit him really well. Ortiz has the scrambling down. Like that has not been a problem for him. It's the rest of his game. Palmer sets up really well. Zach Johnson is scrambling like a maniac. You mentioned Charl. He's at 68. Molinari is like good one week, terrible the next week. You can never really figure it out. But then you have Kevin Na. Like, if it's about fairways and not necessarily distance and then scrambling and putting, like, he is one of the guys that can spike in two of those three things. He definitely can spike. Kevin Na is a noted, comes out of nowhere, wins more than he should. I <sighs> Like, put it this way. Here's how weird Kevin Na is. Missed the cut at the Heritage, where presumably he should play really well, 12th at the Masters. Yeah, I mean, he's got some random number generator to him. And he was, uh, I'm just like looking at random shit. He was second at the CIMB Classic seven years ago, your Kuala Lumpur <laughs> style. He just has just weird finishes. And like he won at Sony earlier this season, obviously a shorter, but another coastal track. He was fifth at Travelers of Pete Dye course last year. He's one of those guys. that's like a kind of not necessarily first or last in this kind of situation, but he's definitely someone that can top 15. Oh, there's no, I mean, Kevin not always has better top end equity than, than where he's at it. The problem is his missed cut equity is gigantic. So, um, but, but isn't, but yeah, it, isn't it really something. realistically the miscut equity with any of these guys at this price point? Like he is priced like he's not good. That is true. You're not incurring a ton of opportunity cost. I do think like Ryan Palmer, uh, Charles, but yeah, uh, you're, you're, it's, a, it's a fair point. I like that you I were going to throw Charles into the conversation with guys that are top I know. 30 players in the world because he had two good weeks. I know. I know. It's Louis, man. Louis just did what he did and uh, he, he gave Charles some magic. Now you got me looking at CIMB leaderboards. Prom Misawat. That's great. Really good. <laughs> oh, where's my guy? Poom. Shake, shake, shake the room. Isn't he always in those? God, there's been... There's been some dudes over the years. Some of these guys. I, I wonder what happened to some of these guys. Hmm. Who knows? They, they, you can't play uh, in Kuala Lumpur anymore, so I mean, people just don't show up. It's like when you go look at the Zozo when it's played in Japan. It's like, who are these guys? There's, there, actually, there is one guy. Is it, uh, is it Rikua Hashino? Is that the guy's name? The guy who's like 19 on the what? Japanese tour that is fucking just lighting everyone up? Every, every like month now, it's a new guy. What happened to the Thai kid? 
You remember him? The Thai kid. He was like, isn't that jazz? No, the other one. The kid was like 15. So, oh, 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 where's he? You don't I, know that guy? There, I, I, there's I, a Thai I, kid. I, I, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm going to find it. Yeah, this is the guy. Yeah. Rikua Hanasu Hashino. No, ha, Hosino. Rikua Hosino. He has won. What's the guy's name? It was like he came over here and then they like they made his name like Tom Kim. Oh, Never yeah, that guy. Played. Yeah. Yeah. I played him. Jiga, yeah. He Where be, is he? He's he, not here. Okay, maybe this guy is the different guy that I'm thinking of because this guy was born in 1996. That makes him 25 years old. <laughs> that is not who I'm thinking of. But he's ranked nope. number 100 in the world rankings right now. Uh, let's see. He already has a win so far this year. He's won each of the past. He's not the guy that I'm thinking of. That's too bad. Yeah, my guy. There's some like su- I, I, super young phenom in Japan right now, though, and I can't remember his name. Is it the guy in the tournament, Kanaya? That might be it. How do you spell his last name? It's uh, where is this guy? I just had him on the screen. Uh, K A N A Y A Takumi Kanaya. He played in the Sony Open. That could be him. Let's see. He is ranked 81st in the world, I think. He's ranked 76th in the world right now. And he is, of course, it wouldn't list his fucking age, would it? No, he's 22. Yeah, he's born in 98. So he's 22. He has, he won as an, like, he won as an amateur, like, one of the big events. And then he turned pro. He won the Dunlop uh, last year, which is actually the tournament where most PGA, it's probably the biggest tournament, at least internationally, besides the Zozo over in Japan. Like, he's just running train over in Japan right now. T9, T53, first, 16th, 15th, 7th. Like, it's a bad tour, yes. But I think this guy's, like, a real player. Like I said, 76th in the world. And he's got Tanihara on the bag. Does he actually? No, right. that would be if if he had that, I would definitely play him. Yeah, just put Tony Hara in this tournament, and I'll play him. He like the guy has the best grasp of the wind of all time. He smokes three cigs at once. He's like, all right, let's put one over here, Love one over guy. here. Get the crosswinds going. He came atop four at a WGC before, so why not? How yeah, much is this guy? Play. Uh, he is really cheap. He is sixty three, and he does listen to speak to him somewhat seriously. He, at least he has some reps over here. Like he's played in a couple of events. I, I don't know exactly how good he is, of course, but you made the cut at the Zozo. No, there is no cut at the Zozo. But he didn't withdraw. <laughs> that, that's, that is the key thing. He's actually gained on approach. He gained at the US Open, Zozo, and Sony and putted well. Sucks at driving, though. <laughs> Yeah, it could be an issue. Yeah, it could be a bit of a problem. All right, so let's not play him. I think we've talked about enough of these guys. We've gone on for almost <laughs> two hours here. But I, uh, this is the reason I released this show early is I, I kind of want to talk about everyone and just get a grasp of how the pricing works, how I can kind kind of construct lineups. But honestly, that, that build that I talked about, that's like Bryson, Spieth, and Morikawa. Like if you didn't want Bryson or you didn't want Spieth or Morikawa and take one of them out and drop down to like the Cam Smith range, even the Hovland, like Hovland fits that lineup perfectly too. And then all of a sudden you have like 6,900 left per guy. You can make that work pretty easily. No, oh, no doubt. There's permutations of that like for me spieth morikawa and reed you have flat seven for the other three that That, works for me i i like the look of that you've leveraged already with reed you're available to take some chalk in the mids like you could do that and add casey and you're still okay so let's get to the play the best plays lineup now that we've talked all of this through 
who are the best plays at the PGA Championship on DraftKings in the Millionaire Maker? I am not concerned about ownership for this lineup, just who are the six best guys that we can fill out in a roster? We've kind of both said that Hovland's probably the play, right? Yes. So Hovland is going to be the first man in at $9,300. Who does he go with? So I think that uh, maybe I'm jumping around a little, but I think Paul Casey is clearly one of the best six plays. Okay. And we're talking about like value wise, that guy makes a lot of sense. So Hovland 93, Paul Casey, $7,700. Do I like, I can't believe I'm going to utter like, do you think that Keegan could be in this lineup? I think that he could. Yeah. Based on the way that he's playing. Like who do you trust more of those guys who like rate out statistically really well between like Hoffman, Kirk, Tringali, Keegan. Like, I actually do trust Keegan the most of those guys. Same. At least I've seen him do it in big sp- Like, he won a FedEx Cup playoff event like two years ago. He's won a major. Yeah, he also shot 80 in that one that would have caught, gave me the crown, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I trust him more than, like, listen, Chris Kirk is at a resurgence. I, I like Chris Kirk a lot, but like winning the uh, the king and the bear, I'm not sure exactly if that correlates. Like Keegan's been playing well for a while now. So we'll throw in Keegan. We currently have $8,600 left per player. So that means we can go splurge on someone else, like a Xander, who would probably be a name to put into one of these lineups, I would think. Or we could go like Burger and stick in that line. If, if we go with Burger, Ooh, that's- someone... I got it. All right, let's hear it. So we got Hovland, Casey, and Keegan, right? Yeah. What about this? What about Xander, Berger, Matt Wallace? I don't think that Matt Wallace fits the bill for this. I think that we both agree he's a really good play. Maybe, you know what? We can make that lineup. Let's see. Does that actually what do work you want out? to do, Higo? Learn. No, um, uh, in the 70, I mean, Sam Burns would have been the, the perfect guy to throw into this lineup at this point. but Or Charlie. Like, honestly, like I, I think that like I bet Matt Wallace to win. I actually think that Siwoo might be the answer to this. Yeah, see, I, you know, it's funny. Siwoo, his price is just, I really thought if you, if I didn't look at pricing, I would have said that Siwoo was like where Adam Scott is, where Answer is. Yeah, like I don't but understand why he's cheaper than Answer. Yeah. Is, is, like, was That's this all just based off who did well at Wells Fargo? I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm stunned that he's down there based off really not much of anything. So maybe we do do that. I, I can live with that. And that leaves $200 on the table. So we got Hovland, Xander, Berger, Casey, Keegan, Siwoo. Now, when I built the lineup before in the play the best plays lineup, that had, and now I closed it because, you know, of course it's me and that's exactly something that I would do. It was, so let's see how different this is in the play the best plays lineup. So Xander, Casey and Berger were all in that lineup to begin with. Uh, so those were three holdovers from the, now we're in version two of the play the best plays lineup. That other one featured Cam Davis, Ryan Palmer, and Jordan Spieth. Uh, and we didn't really talk much about Cam Davis whatsoever, uh, or even Ryan Palmer, but that was just, when I did the show and first got the pricing, those were the names that really stuck out to me as ones that would be good in this situation. But I guess Xander, Berger, and Casey. Pencil those guys in his chalk. Yeah. And then I think it would be a question of, would you rather play Keegan or pay the $200 for Sam Burns? I think I'd rather play Keegan. I, I definitely would. Um, I mean, I would, I would play, like, between me and you, I think we would both play Matt Wallace in that spot. Oh, there's no question. 
and I would play Bubba. So there we go. <laughs> But you I see, but I can, because Lego. I don't play the good plays. I play the bad plays, and that's why I lose money. But I can identify what the good plays are. Yeah, I mean, we we did this experiment a couple of weeks ago, and I got a text from you, and it said our play the good plays lineup is smashing, and that summed it up nicely with Max Homa and Co. just doing extreme damage. Uh, but you can work off that. I don't think it's crazy to use this lineup, and then you take two or three two V twos or three V threes off of it. There's nothing wrong with that. You just the play. The good plays lineup is a dangerous game. Well, I don't even know how common this lineup is going to be only because it has no players above 10,000. Yeah. You are going balanced like from nine to seven. You, I mean, you only have a $2,100 range here, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. All right, that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. We have four more shows, so thanks for sticking with us for the two hours. I told you about all the giveaways. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. Smash the like. Oh, I forgot to mention that off the top. Smash the like button of the episode. Now people aren't going to do that, Ben. That's terrible news for the analytics. Yeah, there's no chance anyone made it this far to smash the like. Uh, so, but smash the like. I know how that goes as well. Yeah, where this is a... I think this is coming out on the weekend. Obviously, we're going to hammer down what the picks are going to be all culminating with Wednesday when I reveal the final picks and the final bets and everything like that. I think it is good to bounce these ideas. Like, this is just sort of a long form, like, hey, here's everyone in the field. Let's talk about them. And some people get, like, kind of get it twisted, like, oh, you mentioned everyone. You can't pick everyone. It's like, yeah, I'm aware you can't pick everyone. Um, that's a thing that you can't do. So I feel like I've whittled down my, like, now new shortlist to, like, 35 players i need to get those 35 down to i don't know 18 19 20 and we'll be good to go it's a great way to do it uh i employ that strategy a lot you just slowly whittle it down and it's good because then no matter what happens at some point in your mind you could say i thought of that guy um i mentioned that guy but uh yeah that's you want you want to be careful about doing too many players yeah you got to get your moral victory what do you guys got going on over at awesome this week so yeah, this is this is great because like I said, this is a, a very broad stroke and obviously me and the team over at Osimo are going to have all the content that you guys need from Alex's projections, the ownership. I will be on shows all week answering your questions. So come on in, even if it's just for the week. We have weekly passes. You can go to my Twitter, DFS, follow me and you could see we'll probably have some promo deals out there for you guys. This kicks off PGA Championship Week on the Pat Mayo Experience. You're looking for NFL? You can go check that out up on the feed. But remember, about all the draws, the important one, rate, review, and subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. And leave that five-star rating Twitter handle, email address, get you 10 entries into that draw where I'm giving away a $200 entry. A few $3,300, or $3,300, dollars wow, entries. Yeah. The draw. I mean, you're probably going to go review it 800 times. I'm giving away like, the 444 or something like that. No, the $200, uh, what does I got here? Three dollars $520, $10, $10 plus. I'm going to have a huge assortment of tickets, hopefully, to give away on Wednesday, uh, all culminating with the live chat up on Mayo Media Network. So uh, I hope this was informative. I'll be back with research on Sunday. A much shorter show, I promise you on that, okay? I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Mayo Experience! Experience! This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.